Your On The Mark podcast is loading now. The On The Mark podcast is sponsored by the Sunbury Motor Company, family-owned dealership since 1915, 4th Street in Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia on Routes 11 and 15 Hummel's Wharf. News Radio 1070 WKOK presents On The Mark. It's a chance to voice your opinion on the events that affect life in the Susquehanna Valley. Call 1-800-795-9565 or email onthemark at wkok.com. Now, here are your hosts for On The Mark, Mark Lawrence and Joe McGranahan. Well, Mark Lawrence has changed his appearance rather dramatically. He's now a very attractive woman who has been active in the community for many, many years. Carrie Albright is with me this morning. I'm Joe McGranahan. Good morning, Carrie. Great to have you back. Thank you, Joe. Good morning. Nice to see you again. Good I hope you had a nice holiday season. I did. Great seeing you, too. I hope you did, too. Yeah, and now we'll argue like crazy for the next nine minutes. I know. We already have been. <laughs> yeah, we have been. <laughs> On the Mark is brought to you by the Sunbury Motor Company, a family-owned dealership since 1950. 4th Street in Sunbury, Routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Find out more about them at www.sunburymotors.com. They invite you to visit the Quick Lane on North 4th Street in Sunbury, where they specialize in all types of service on vehicle, state inspection, nitrogen for tires, and they're open Monday through Friday, 6.30 a.m. till 6 p.m., Saturday, 6.30 a.m. till 2 p.m. You can find them on the web at www.sunburymotors.com. Check out their online specials, and you can build a Ford, build a Ford car or truck to your specifications, and click on a coupon for the Works Fuel Saver package. The Sunbury Motor Company sells Ford, Hyundai, Kia cars. They are the premier service provider for all makes of cars and trucks and all sizes of trucks, and they're a master towing service with decades of experience. And we have a new producer with us this morning. Would you introduce yourself? to the audience, please. Oh, can't hear you. <laughs> How about now? I beg your pardon? Can you hear me now? Oh, I can hear you now. All right. Um, Tony Fino. I'm usually the overnight uh, talking pen on uh, 94KX, <laughs> but I'm happy to be a producer here this morning well, on, on The Mark. Tony, great to have you with us. Thanks a lot. I hope you have a fun, uh, fun morning fielding our phone calls. <laughs> Thanks <laughs> a lot. Hope Thank we you. get them. It's yeah, we do. Well, it's an open Monday after day. Christmas. And Monday after Christmas, usually a slow day. 1-800-795-9565 or email us at onthemark at wkok.com. I would tell you to text us at 70236, but I don't know how to operate that, so uh, it, it requires now 45 different keystrokes. Do you want to give them my cell phone number? No, they can text right. me. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think you want everybody texting you about programs for uh, the rest of it. So, we have here today now you are you're not really you're an independent as I recall yes. right okay so you're not you probably didn't vote for Donald Trump probably you voted I did you did I, okay. yeah I did in the first election did not in the second, second election okay so in the second election you voted for Joe Biden are you disappointed you know, I think it's too early to tell. I think that government moves so slowly that we inherit things from a previous administration. Um, I'm not disappointed. I think that anybody in a pandemic with the divisive uh, politics and party, you know, in fighting that we have in, in their in own in the individual parties, there's discord. I think it's an extremely difficult environment to to lead in to find compromise. I was just. You know, looking at some articles this morning about things uh, that are strongly bipartisan, people where there is bipartisan agreement, you know, on different things regarding immigration, Social Security, um, you know, poverty programs. There's a lot of agreement. And, you know, we just just choose to say, you know, 
divisive things and mean things and call people names instead of focusing on what we agree on. And that's I think that's a really, really hard environment to lead in. So no, I'm not disappointed. But what uh, what area of uh, immigration do you do you find agreement in? I was looking at this. There are there is a and it's a study at the University of Maryland where there is strong bipartisan agreement for p- kids that were brought in illegally as children that have lived their whole lives here a path to citizenship. Oh, the dreamers. Yep. Okay. Well, agreement I think on most that. Most of us agree on that. Y'all. Yeah, but instead of focusing on you know, and then people f- selectively pigeonholing, the, uh, blaming the immigrants for problems in terms of the workers and replacement of you know where their workers are immigrants largely and then the people don't like the immigrants working they fail to recognize that the companies are hiring the immigrants to work so they sh- instead of blaming the companies they're blaming the individual immigrants so there's a lot of just people parse apart you know what they want to focus on and to disagree instead of finding agreement and I think that's where we need to go with our government is find agreement listen Carrie I know you've been involved in health care uh, for an extended period of time you know, you look at the what Dr. Fauci's doing now. You look at the Omicron, vi- Omicron vi- variant, which is apparently highly contagious but not very serious. They're talking about mask mandates. They're talking about all these draconian things. Uh, the, maybe the New York mayor is going to cancel New Year's Eve or scale it back. You know, should we be should we be doing that kind of thing? You know, you look at Florida, where Governor DeSantis has been wide open almost compared to other states like California and New York. And yet his numbers are probably a little better than California and New York per capita. You know, what what should we be doing from from the perspective of an average citizen who's got some knowledge about the health care industry, works in it? What should we be doing? Is this the right stuff or the wrong stuff? I think it starts with vaccinations. Um, I was just in Italy a few weeks ago and then uh, London, um, England uh, prior to that about two months ago where, um, well, in Great Britain it was politicized, but in Italy there was a massive breakout of, of COVID and it wasn't politicized. About 90% or more of the people are vaccinated there. And, um, you know, people are getting Omicron now, but right. again, you said it's it's less you know, severe. Um, what do we do about this? I just think that people should get vaccinated. Um, I don't think that it should be mandated at this point necessarily. I think that if you're not going to be vaccinated, socially distance. Um, I don't know. I, I know a lot of people around here that are older and have isolated themselves very effectively. So maybe, you know, something's going on in Florida with an older population where they're being more careful. I don't think, I don't know anybody who's unvaccinated, who's just running around like a bull in a china shop, you know, trying to be exposed to things. I think everybody's being a little careful. Um, I do think that if you're not going to get vaccinated, that you have a moral responsibility to care for others, uh, like we do on other levels. Um, I, the other day, I had somebody said, "I'm not going to have the government tell me what to do with my bot, tell me what to do." <laughs> but the government tells us what to do every day with laws and regulations and paying taxes, and you know, and and every day we have to abide by government rules. This is just one more thing. If if a mandate did come down. Um, I don't know. It's, 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 it's so difficult, Joe. I, I understand people's want for individual you know, choice, but also a public health issue. Well, yeah, but we have an obligation to protect ourselves. In other words, why should I call on you to protect me? If I'm not, some if people I'm are too stupid to, to pay attention to facts. 
And we know that from the recent political climate. Well, but still, we all have an obligation to protect ourselves and our families. I mean, I know some people who go out and they wrap themselves in masks and they, you know, or some people just don't go out. I mean, they stay mm -hmm. away from anything. Uh, I, on the other hand, I've been vaccinated. I've been boosted. If I get into a situation where I feel uncomfortable, I don't often wear, don't always wear a mask, but I always maintain social distancing. If I go into a store and it's too crowded, I leave, mm -hmm. you know, or I'll, I'll go to another store that is, is less crowded. But I don't put myself in a position where someone's going to be within, that I don't know is going to be within close proximity to me. Uh, and so uh, that's my level of comfort. Your but level you're might a be smart man, different. Joe. You, you have the wherewithal to make those decisions and you're concerned about others. I know you. You're extremely conscientious and, and generous. And um, that's you. I remember early on um, after the mask mandates went in in the grocery stores, there was a family of three children and a mother and father boldly running around. Their posture was very like, I'm doing what I want to do. And they were running around, none of them with masks on. And it was extremely disrespectful to everybody in the store, to the store ownership, to the management. It was just really obnoxious. And it was a point they were trying to make. And, you know, and you just said you know, people wrap themselves in masks. Um, they're I think they're trying to make a point, too. I agree with you. There's there's extremism on both sides. But I don't. But I do think that, you know, socially distancing works and and just being careful. And you're, you're talking about caring for yourself, okay. but I think we have an obligation to care for others, too, especially in times of crisis, like we do when a flood breaks out yeah, or right. a major fire in California. People rush to help. Um, this is the same thing. I think that we have an obligation to rush to help uh, our world and, and, you know, being careful and getting vaccinated and masking and socially distancing. This is a crisis. Well, we seem to have a call. Good morning. You're on the mark. Yeah, this is Cody. All right, Cody, good Hi, morning. Hi, Cody. Hi. Um, I just saw a call and dispute. Uh, you had a call around two weeks ago, calling about our big raise we got in Social Security. I don't know if you remember that, Joe, or not. I, yeah, the 6%, I think it's some, well, inflation yeah, is six up 6%. Per, yeah, it was 6%, and uh, he gave an example of an uh, estimate uh, $1,500 a month we get in Social Security. So that would give us a big $90 a month raise. And he did mention about the uh, premium went up from 148 to $170 a month. So that would be a $22 for the premium. So that would bring our big raise to $68. But he did not mention that uh, most of us have to have a supplemental insurance to cover the what uh, Medicare doesn't pay for. 20%, yeah. Right. Right? Right. And, uh, but that hasn't my, changed. Uh, that hasn't changed. That's been that way forever. Yeah, right. So anyway, my supplemental insurance, I paid uh, $226 a month last year. It went up to $257 a month for next year. So there's a uh, 20, uh, $31 raise for my supplemental insurance. And I also have a prescription plan that, uh, you know, I need. And my prescription plan went up from last year $34 up to $61 this year, so that's a $27 a month for next year. So actually I'm getting, from last year to this year, I'm getting a $10 a month raise from my Social Security. Now that $10 is going to have to cover what my food went up, my gasoline, my heat, and everything else. So what he was saying, it made it sound like, you know, people in Social Security was getting a pretty good raise, but actually we're not. I think this is interesting because I, um, where do you fall politically? Can I ask? 
Pardon? Where do you fall politically? Are you a Republican or a Democrat or moderate? No, I'm a Republican. Okay, it's interesting. Somebody told me one, uh, sometime a few weeks ago, and it makes sense to me, that as you get older, you want social programs because you benefit from them. And when you're younger, Republican, perhaps you're more critical of social programs. Um, but I hear you saying that you want social programs in place as you age, and Social Security is your primary income, perhaps. Um, but maybe you wouldn't agree on other social programs. Is that correct? That's correct. Okay. Social, well, then why should social... Care, but, but, go ahead. No, no, no. But then why should why should the vulnerable older people benefit from social programs that you want to see in place and not the vulnerable younger people, such as poor people and children? So tell me the difference in the vulnerable... Why, why are you selective about what social programs you'd like to see strengthened or not cut? Well, Social Security and stuff is my main income for the rest of my life. Well, but sometimes uh, $11 and, and an uh, hour is the main income for many people for their her entire lives, too, and they're just much younger than you are, and they're trying to raise families. So what's the difference? Well, what the difference is, back uh, when I lost my job, back in the early 2000s, the uh, unemployment, uh, what we got for being laid off, losing your job, we got 60% of our gross income a week okay and that's what we got six that's what we got 60 percent. we didn't get this six hundred dollars a week what they've been getting this past year or so then he went to three hundred dollars we never had that kind of help so do you think that's fair uh, things change i think that we have to evolve yeah, know, and put social programs change, in place that address the needs that's what i had to put up with yeah and i had to go find jobs i had to go and said i was looking for jobs at the time but now, if you know, if I could have got six hundred or three hundred dollars now, I wouldn't have been worried about what I had to do back then. Well, the problem is really the problem is the inflationary cycle that we're in right now, and you have to lay. I mean, I'm sorry, I'd love, I know there are a lot of people out there who love to lay it at Donald Trump's door, but I think it belongs at Joe Biden's feet. His administration could be doing something about it. Um, they, they they have uh, proposed massive spending, and I'm sorry, when you have too much money chasing too few goods and services, you're going to have inflation, and that's exactly what we've got now, and it impacts on everybody. And, it, and, you know, I heard somebody in the Biden administration the other week say it was a rich man's problem. That's insane. It's a, it's everybody's problem, particularly those whose resources are somewhat limited. But to Cody's – Cody, it's Cody, right? Right. Okay, but to your point, I think what's interesting is is a study that I referenced earlier does show bipartisan agreement. Uh, people want uh, to cap um, benefits for the top 25 percent of owners, move the uh, – raise the raise the um, income subject to the payroll tax to $215,000. So there's definitely bipartisan agreement on some of these things. And if we shift in those directions where we agree, I mean, that they're proposing that it could cut two-thirds of the shortfall for Social Security benefits um, out and, and help improve the situation. So there are points of agreement on this. All right, Cody, thanks a lot. We appreciate your call. We got a break to take, so we really do appreciate you giving us a call. 1-800-795-9565 is our toll-free hotline number. Give us a call right now. So There's something to be said about a sale with a handshake, a service technician who really knows what he's doing. They can explain it in English what the problem is. There's nothing better than having that friend you could trust in the area. 
That's Sunbury Motors, where you get selection, knowledgeable salespeople, and prices that fit your budget, and more important, that friend you can trust. Welcome to Sunbury Motors, Kia, Ford, and Hyundai. You could shop other dealers and compare prices, but at Sunbury Motors, you get their lowest price promise. They research the current used vehicle market and guarantee their used car prices are the lowest. If you find a lower price, Sunbury Motors will beat it. Three dealers all in one. See their full new and pre-owned inventory at sunburymotors.com. Pick out a vehicle you like and schedule your test drive online. Follow them on Facebook. Sunbury Motors Ford and Hyundai, North 4th Street, Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Okay, welcome back. Welcome back to On the Mark. I'm Joe McGranahan along with Carrie Albright. And on the phone is Van from New Columbia. Van, good morning. You're on the mark. Good morning. How are you doing? Hanging in there. How about you? Doing pretty good. You know, since this vaccine has been available, what I've noticed is this whole thing being so politicized and people that have been vaxxed have set themselves up as being morally and intellectually superior to those of us who have not been vaccinated. They like to refer to us as stupid or uncaring, selfish and other, other terms they use toward us. But the thing in my case, I got COVID before the vaccine was available. And the thing that's, it's like crickets when it comes to herd immunity anymore. When this first started, it was, you know, 15 days to slow the curve. And, you know, we were going to develop herd immunity. And how many people in America have gotten COVID, have gotten over it, and you hear nothing about herd immunity. And yet, like Terry said, over in Italy, 90% of the people vaxxed over there, and they still had an outbreak. So that tells me that the vaccine is not effective toward toward COVID. There's, there's some scientists that say they will never develop a vaccine that's going to be effective to keep people from getting this, this virus. That massive outbreak happened prior to the vaccine being available. And as they were ramping up and, and vaccinating in stages, it wasn't after the vaccine okay, was uh, administered about, to 90% of the population. About, let's talk about Gibraltar then. Gibraltar is 100% vaccinated, and they had a massive outbreak. And that's a fact. You can check that out if you're not aware of that. Gibraltar? I'm going to look that up yes. right now. <laughs> again, oh, once again. Away. I wasn't aware of that. And, no. and also, <laughs> and also here's, here's another thing I personally know because I work with people that – they were vaccinated. Everyone since summer, where I work at, that has gotten COVID, they have been vaccinated. Every single one of them. So I know on a personal level that it's not effective. Now, I've been around people you know, since I've, I've had COVID. I had it in last, last December. I had it. And I've been around people since then have had COVID and I've not gotten it. But so you why think- is it no one talks about herd immunity? That's a good question. You know, we, you're right. We did used to hear a great deal about that. And, but I think the reason we're not hearing about it is because we may have developed herd immunity to the original COVID vac, uh, virus, but now there are two other ones that are out there that seem to be taking all the play. I mean, when was the last time you had a story about the original COVID virus being a problem? Haven't well, here's, heard here's, that. Another, here's another thing, Joe. I, I don't even know that there's a test out there that distinguishes between the Omicron and the Delta variant and the original. I mean, we, we act like... We've forgotten about the original. We talk about Delta and Omicron so much. But what's what, where's the test? You tell me the test where I can go buy it that's going to tell me if I have Omicron or if I have Delta or if I have the original corona. I don't, I don't think there's a test that you can buy, but I suspect when they analyze your blood, if they take you into the hospital and do blood work, they can tell which one you've got. 
Well, then, then the question then remains, then, the people that are being tested now in our area, they're not receiving blood tests. They're using the swabs of the, the rapid test, and we're told that it's Omicron. Yeah, I don't know whether the, the test specifically identifies Omicron or whether it identifies the fact that you have a COVID vir- virus, and then they do the blood work to determine which virus you have. That would be my surmisal. I may be dead wrong in that. You know, I, w- I was so ignorant to start this stuff about coronavirus. I thought it was a totally new thing. And when I went to work, I had on, on my desk, I had a spray bottle that had a Clorox spray that was at, right in the can that says kills coronavirus. And I thought, wow, it's... <laughs> coronavirus has been around? Well, I, you know, I, I don't know that it's been, uh, I keep hearing that it's been around in some form for years, but then it certainly wasn't a pandemic until recently, assuming you believe that we're in a pandemic. Well, I know very little about how things spread, but they get weaker as they propagate throughout individuals and numbers it gets weaker with numbers so what's happening is there are new variants that are coming along and i don't know i mean i'm just saying this out loud maybe omicron was around i don't know maybe it was stronger at one point but it seems to be very weak at this point and it's not really you know disastrous well, if I you heard, get it i heard a report well, on tv that said it was very much like the cold the common cold yes you know and, and again again i don't know if you know, I don't know much about spreading, but I do hear from my husband, who's a doctor, and I listen to infectious disease doctors, at, you know, with, as part of my work, that, um, you know, as things as things kind of move throughout numbers, and it, you, it gets weaker. It's like it's like sound waves, almost. They get weaker as they move further and further out. And or throwing so, a pebble in the lake. Yeah, yeah. And so, you know, I think and what's unfortunately happening is, is there are variants that are coming along that are stronger than the ones that got weak that are replacing, you know, in, in, the com- in conversation, as, as Van said. It becomes a different conversation. But then, then look at the mixed messages, Van. I mean, you know, you have Dr. Fauci on one hand, and then our candidate for United States Senate, Dr. Oz, uh, whom MSNBC has called a quack, and he's saying the government's got this all wrong. So who do we believe? Well, we're, we're hearing all this conflicting information. It's the thing. We get so much contradictory information. What are you supposed to believe? But, I, you know, God's given us some common sense, and the, the thing that I don't understand is I'm seeing people that, have gotten the vaccine that's supposed to be safe and effective and they still get yeah but the, they don't the get it they don't get it to the degree that they would have well, i mean here's, Terry, here's here's the thing that's that's an impossibility to prove that it's no I mean, it's my not brother, no my, no I, I it's know, not i know Look people at the, that work in, in hospitals that people that have been have been shot three times they're in the hospital they're not dying. They They're not dying. They're not on respirators. No, that's that's not true. Oh, look at the numbers. Let's, let's, when you look at ninety percent of the can, people dying say, that are not, not vaccinated, that's are dying. yeah. Yeah, can I speak here, Terry? And I'm, I hate to be you know rude. You'll have the rest of the day to talk. But here's the thing: people deny this. People that have gotten the vaccine are getting sick. Now you can say they would have got it worse if they wouldn't have been vaxxed. You don't know that. I got it. I got it bad. I know people that got it weren't vaxxed. They didn't get it as bad as me. So there's a difference between people. It's a scientific impossibility for you to empirically prove that statement you just made. And that's the big error. And the thing of it is, when statements like that are made and it's propagated as truth, now people are pushing for the vaccine to be mandatory. And they've been pushing for it. And finally here in January, January 7th, they're going to hear that case in front of the Supreme Court. And they're going to have to make a decision. And I hope they make the right one that they don't mandate this for people because I've had it. I've survived. There's no reason in the world I need to have a vaccine for something I already had. It's like if someone had smallpox and survived it, 
there was no reason for them to receive a smallpox vaccine. Do you get, but ben, do you there get are, the flu? There are, are reports of people who've got it a second time, and maybe if you had the vaccine, you wouldn't get it a second uh, time. You, I don't know what the chances maybe, are there. Do you, get the, do you get the flu vaccine every year? No. I got it one time in my life, and guess what I got? The flu. The flu. <laughs> well, many, many, many people get it every year because they're, they have a risk of it in the flu every year. So it doesn't, and just because you had COVID, you know, a year and a half ago, two years ago, doesn't mean that you're inoculated. Well, if you had one version of it, does that mean you're immune from the second version or the third? I mean, that would be my concern, to be honest well, with here, you. Here's, here's the thing, too, Joan. Here, here's where this world's going. And that's that's the argument people are going to have, and they're going to say, "Well, hey, you got you got one vaccine shot, but hey, we need to give you another one and another one, and it's just going to be like the flu shot." And that's that's where it's going right now, and that's when I heard a year ago, that's where the doctors and scientists I were listening to said they would never develop one, and it would be a continual thing of giving you shots. And I'm hearing these shots are affecting the T cells in your body, and another thing, we'll give you something to think about. The young people that they want this vaccine in so they can go to school, these young kids are getting this and they're getting over no problem at all. They have like a 99.997% survival rate, but they still want to get the jab in their arms. And why is that? Because kids can spread the virus without really suffering from the the effects of it, and then they take it home to their family, and they're vulnerable older, you know, relatives or younger, and or younger, younger, younger various, people. Various people that are vaccinated, people that are vaccinated they get the virus, they get sick. So obviously then, if they can get it, they can also spread it. Okay, Van, right. we're out of time in this segment. Thank you, sir. Appreciate your call as always. 1-800-795-9565. That's our toll-free hotline number. You'll need that when we come back after the news. I'm Joe McGranahan along with Carrie Albright this morning. You're listening to On the Mark on WKOK Sunbury. News Radio 1070 WKOK presents On the Mark. It's a chance to voice your opinion on the events that affect life in the Susquehanna Valley. Call 1-800-795-9565 or email onthemark at wkok.com. Now, here are your hosts for On the Mark. Mark Lawrence and Joe McGranahan. Mark Lawrence is off today, tomorrow and Wednesday, but he will be back Thursday. With me today is Carrie Albright. I'm Joe McGranahan. 1-800-795-9565 is the toll-free hotline number that will get you through to our producer, Tony, who is more than willing to take your calls, or email us at onthemarkatwkok.com. We have a few emails here that we can go over in just a moment. On the Mark is brought to you by the Sunbury Motor Company, a family-owned dealership since 1915. Four Street in Sunbury, Routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. The Sunbury Motor Company, what do they sell? Ford, Hyundai, and Kia cars. They are the premier service provider for all makes of cars and trucks and all sizes of trucks. And they're a master towing service with decades of experience. They invite you to visit the Quick Lane on North 4th Street in Sunbury, where they specialize in all types of service on vehicles, state inspection, and nitrogen for tires. And they're open Monday through Friday, 6.30 a.m. to 6 p.m., Saturday, 6.30 a.m. till 2 p.m. Find them on on the web at www.sunburymotors.com. 
In the news this morning, a wrong way driver has been charged in Union County. State police are out with details on an arrest late last October. Troopers say they received reports of a vehicle traveling the wrong way on Route 15 in White Deer Township, Union County. Troopers say they stopped the vehicle operator, 25-year-old Zachary Gass, who was driving on the wrong way on the highway. They say he's charged with DUI, reckless endangering other persons, possession of drug paraphernalia, and various traffic offenses. Two teens from which Richfield are being called heroes after saving a man who was involved in a fiery crash. State police say 18-year-old Skyler J. Swartz and 17-year-old Colin Hoffman saved a man's life by pulling him from a burning vehicle in Juniata County. State Representative John Hershey of Juniata County said they were given state house citations for their brave actions that day. The crash was on Route 333, October 27th in Delaware Township. Representative Hershey and state police said the man was very lucky that Skyler and Colin were there when he was and that they don't know what may have happened otherwise. Hershey said the actions of the 18-year-old and 17-year-old will long be remembered and indeed appreciated. And finally, police in Middleburg are calling it a possible fraud. The notices many residents received in the U.S. mail recently asking them to join nextdoor.com. Officers say the invitations appear to have come from a local resident, but they have cleared that person suspected of organizing the online community neighborhood. Subsequently, officials are saying they are suspicious and don't advise Middleburg residents to participate in what they're calling a possible fraud. Police say their investigation is continuing. That's our quick look at the news headlines this morning. We do have some texts. Doug, Doug chimes in here. He says, I have a moral obligation to get vaccinated to protect others. I have a major problem with that statement because it implies that since I didn't get the jab that I don't care about others. If the vaccine actually prevented someone from getting COVID and spreading it, you may have a point, but the vaccine doesn't do that. Quit trying to put a, a guilt trip on people who have concerns about injecting something into their body when we have no idea of long-term effects. Many of us who haven't received the shot already had the virus giving us natural immunity, which is 10 times better than the jab. So actually, I'm doing a better job at protecting others than many vaccinated people are, right? And spare me with, quote, we don't know how long natural immunity lasts, unquote, because we do know it lasts much longer than the so-called vaccine. That's signed by Doug. Okay, but why is it from Darren? <laughs> okay, um, just, I, just a shallow way, whoever you are, Darren or Doug, um, just because you got it and lived doesn't mean somebody that you might give it to will get it and live. So I appreciate what you're saying, but you know, a lot of us can get COVID and but with the vaccination it's proven that you are very likely not to be hospitalized and die period at, at this point we have those numbers but I his mean, point's natural almost, immunity isn't natural immunity better but you know what natural immunity is a risk joe i mean because we just talked about the fact that most people that are dying have health conditions including being overweight um diabetes you just said one of your friends died with diabetes high school friend right um so basically natural immunity is a risk it's like okay if i could stand in a firing line and be shot at and miss a bullet, will I never die from whatever? Sure, but you don't know that you're going to live once you get it. 
and so so natural immunity may be whatever preferable, but it's not you're not assured the fact that you're going to survive it to have that natural immunity. Well, yeah, but you know the thing that gets me when Doug says here um, I'd have a moral obligation to get vaccinated to protect others. I have a major problem with that statement. You know, we don't know what Doug is doing. We don't know that he's living a, a, a profligate life where he's out breathing on people, where he's willy-nilly not taking care of himself. I mean, he may be practicing social distancing. I don't know whether he's wearing a mask or not, but he may be taking precautions he feels are adequate for him. Does that make him a bad person because he doesn't want to get the shot? No, not at all. And does that make him a health risk to others? Yes. How? <laughs> because he doesn't ever know where he might fail to keep socially distanced or maybe get it himself and then okay but isn't isn't that the greater risk in other words it's all it's all a risk when you don't get vaccinated you are taking a risk with your own health and others health period that's just now what did what degree of a risk is is to be seen but you are taking a risk but but still if he's protecting himself Yeah, he he did. He said he had it. So he had it before the vaccine was available. So what does that mean? Is this the same guy that called in? No, 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 no. That's the other guy. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know. I just think that it's it's a risk. And you know, I don't know who he is, but and I don't disagree as long as he's being cautious and careful with with because he doesn't have the vaccine. Thank you, thank you, President President Biden and Dr. Fauci are all you know saying in effect that, that you have an obligation. As a matter of fact, Joe Biden said it was unpatriotic not to get the vaccine. You know, I think that that's going a little too far. Well, it's just changed, though. I mean, there were people that didn't want the polio vaccine or to to birth. What are those shots that we get now? Measles, mumps, rubella, MMR when we're babies. Um, There were people that fought that, I'm sure. You know, it's just change is difficult for a lot of people. Some people embrace it more quickly. I think that's just what you're seeing in the population. Joe from Milton, you're on the mark this morning. Hello. Oh, (laughs) I was just talking to your producer there on the line. Yes, I was talking about the vaccine. Uh, Listening to that young lady talk there, I haven't got the shot. I've never got any uh, uh, virus shots, uh, and I uh, felt led not to do that. And personally, I want to ask the question. These people that got the shot, and they still get it, because and I believe because of the false narrative that they, it's a vaccine. It is not a vaccine. It does not present, prevent you from getting the vaccine. Although the symptoms, if you do get the, vac- to get the virus, the symptoms are milder, correct? Yes. Okay, now, my question is this. Uh, that being so, these people that get it, uh, they do have in their mind that they, they are, I think, immune to it almost. And so if they get a little sniffle or a little fever, they don't think they really have it. And I think they're more prone to spread it than us who have not got the vaccine. And I hadn't had the virus either, so uh, I have not that uh, herd immunity in me, so to speak. Um, but what I'm trying to say is I don't like to people get in my face when they talk. I don't get near people. Uh, I've always been that way before the COVID even come out. I don't like to be around people <laughs> that uh, that are coughing and spewing up stuff. You know what I'm saying? I try to take precautions. So I'm, I'm careful, and so I don't think I'm a spreader. But if I would get it, uh, you tell me that I can't get it from somebody that's vaccinated? That Joe, has I, it? I, I disagree. Maybe I, they don't think they have it Joe, because I, their symptoms are so mild. But they can spread it, can't they? 
Yeah, they can spread it. Uh, that's the whole point. Um, and where's the science that tells you people that are so vaccine prone that I'm uh, and us unvaxxed are spreading it and not the vaxxed are spreading it? Where's the science in that? Jo- Joseph, I disagree uh, with something you said earlier, that uh, that the people that are vaccinated think that they don't get it and they have a sniffle or they have get fever and they ignore it. They don't think they have it. I disagree. I, I talk to people every day that, have vac- that are vaccinated, and the minute that they get sick or co- signs of a cold, they are concerned. Um, so I think that the majority of the people, now that we know what we know, and we're almost two years into this, I think that people are still very cautious and about their well, symptoms. That may be so, but now, nonetheless, if they have it, can they not give it to me who's, who's been on vax and don't have it? Yeah, so stay away. Why am I accused of being the ones uh, on vax people that are spreading it? Nobody's this, I accusing don't understand. You. Nobody's accusing you. I'm, I'm looking at an email here from Dennis that said, I said people are not very intelligent and they are just plain stupid. I've never used the phrase plain stupid in my life. I'm just wondering what that's about. Joe, can you? Well, we'll, have, we'll read the letter after, yeah, we have, just, after Joseph, well, Joseph is done. Joseph, I think, thank you for being cautious and socially distancing and actually making yourself, you know, a aware and I'm just I, I appreciate I've always that. been that way yeah. long before the COVID but uh, yeah. came out. Here's the uh, thing you know you you and I are roughly the same age I gather from from your talk you may be a year or two older than me or a year or two I'm older. 80 years old. Well then I got you got me by about three years but here's here's my problem with it you know I have my grandchildren uh, that that uh, and my daughter-in-law who's at risk has health issues so I, I feel that if I want to see my grandchildren and not put my daughter-in-law at risk I put aside my personal concerns about taking something that I'm not totally familiar with because I believed it would help protect them so with me it wasn't that uh, you know I'm afraid of getting it uh, although you know because I go to the gym I exercise I take vitamins I try to stay as healthy as I can and I prevent I provide um, a level of protection for myself that I'm comfortable with but I don't want to take the chance of giving it to anybody else that's my personal feeling and I certainly don't want to yeah, if I ever get a cold or something like that, which I have, I, I don't go around people and, you know, I try and keep away from people and uh, I respect that. But here's the point. Uh, no, and a number, another thing here, we were talk, you were talking about insurances before this. I know back in the 40s and 50s, uh, my parents never had, we never had any kind of insurance. Or automobile, house insurance, uh, ha- uh, car insurance, you didn't have it. How did we survive? <laughs> and even now, I don't have house insurance. Uh, I trust the Most High to protect me, and it's the same way with this virus. He said that if you trust me and make me your refuge, no plague will come nigh thy dwelling. And I think that's pretty good insurance. And so I think I'm I'm uh, uh, in capable hands here. Well, then you've uh, done exactly what I said. You've disi- decided what level of protection you're comfortable with, and, you and can't that's get what no you're better with. protection than the Almighty and His Word. He's okay. a, if He made a promise in Psalms 91 and Psalms 103. <laughs> That, that that would be the case if you trust him. Now again, there's a, there's okay. a the stipulation is that you must put your faith okay. and trust in him. Listen, we have, I'm sorry, we have to move along. We're got, we've got to take a break, oh, and yeah. we've got a letter to read here. So we're trying to stay on schedule. Give us a call one eight hundred seven nine five nine five six five. We'll be right back. Can we? I mean, I- there's something to be said about a sale with a handshake. A service technician who really knows what he's doing, they can explain it in English what the problem is. There's nothing better than having that friend you could trust in the area. 
That's Sunbury Motors, where you get selection, knowledgeable salespeople, and prices that fit your budget, and more important, that friend you can trust. Welcome to Sunbury Motors, Kia, Ford, and Hyundai. You could shop other dealers and compare prices, but at Sunbury Motors, you get their lowest price promise. They research the current used vehicle market and guarantee their used car prices are the lowest. If you find a lower price, Sunbury Motors will beat it. Three dealers all in one. See their full new and pre-owned inventory at sunburymotors.com. Pick out a vehicle you like and schedule your test drive online. Follow them on Facebook. Sunbury Motors Ford and Hyundai, North 4th Street, Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Welcome back to On the Walk. I'm Joe McGranahan along with Carrie Albright, and one of our listeners, uh, writers, is taking Carrie to task. Ms. Albright said that, quote, people are not very intelligent, and quote, and quote, they are just plain stupid, unquote. I don't believe she used the words just plain stupid. Um, I think, you know, she said, I, this gentleman says, I believe it, just the opposite. Today, with the Internet, people are reading articles from all over the world and making decisions based on information they read. You also pressed the caller about social programs and, quote, why should the elderly have social programs over the poor, unquote? Simply, we who are retired paid into Social Security all of our working lives. This administration wants to spend trillions on climate change and social programs, but throw pennies at the retired. Obama was given $819 billion for infrastructure, and practically none of it was given to infrastructure. Signed, Dennis Laskowski of Sunbury. So... I don't, but you said you didn't say plain stupid, I, and I, I don't think I, you did either. But no. we'll have to go to the tape and monitor, listen to it, and see what it says. All right. Well, if you uh, if you look at the Obama administration, eight hundred nineteen billion dollars for infrastructure, and now we have a trillion dollars for infrastructure, I still can't get past tree equity. Uh, as being an infrastructure issue, and that's what's in, a, lot, a lot of money is included for tree equity in this transportation or infrastructure bill. Um, You're so. in the weeds where I just have, have no experience there, Joe. What's tree equity? I don't know either. Mark will explain it to you if you want to know. He he believes in it, whatever it is. <laughs> I mean, do these things just start getting packed with people's, you know, local? I mean, all politics is local, right? So somebody somewhere along the line got to some legislator that put something about tree equity into the bill that probably doesn't need to be there. I don't know. Well, I mean, I, th I think certainly transportation is an important thing. I, I, all of us who work in trying to build the mm -hmm. community and, and get, get people back to work realize that if you don't have a good transportation set up, you're not going to get jobs. I mean, people need right. to be able to get their products to market. They need to be able to get their supplies in. And so if you don't have good roads, you don't have good transportation, you've got a problem. I read an article this morning in Penn Live that talked about the Secretary of PennDOT is going before the uh, holding state representatives and senators talking about, I think, an $8 billion shortfall in uh, funding for uh, PennDOT. And she said there should be something like $16 billion a year spent on maintenance of our roadway. We have one of the largest road roadway networks and bridge networks in the country here in Pennsylvania, and we're not spending enough money to maintain it. And in a climate that erodes it on a regular basis. I have a question for you, and I'm just thinking out loud. Is that shortfall due in part to lack of of taxes collect on earned income and 
you know, I don't know. Was there any supplement given to states that matched the the, the shortfall in taxes? Well, part of it is if you're paying people six hundred bucks a month or a week or whatever. You're, they're not. Are they paying tax on? I mean, they're not paying tax on that. So that what I would imagine is part of the shortfall. Well, part of the shortfall too is the fact that the state police are largely funded out of PennDOT money. You know, they they should have their own independent source of funding. It shouldn't be coming out of PennDOT. Then on the other hand, the Turnpike Commission is required to give PennDOT so many millions of dollars every year, and they're not, of course, spending money on their maintenance the way they should, and the fees are going up and up and up. Uh, if you go on the Turnpike now, what used to be a buck or 35 mm -hmm. cents is now like $12. Yep. You know, that's ridiculous. One way to Philadelphia from here is about $9. Really? Yeah. So why, why would you drive on the turnpike, pay $9 when you have other roads that you're already subsidizing? You know, and the secretary of PennDOT talked about they're making a change away from the fuel tax, you know, the uh, gasoline tax, and they're going to start charging people driving by mile for, per mile of use. And that will cover electrical vehicles how as do well. You, how do you measure that? I don't know. That's a good question. I haven't talked to my friends at PennDOT to find out what, what that would, how that would be like unless you had to report to your, um, you know, you had, the PennDOT sent you a form every six months they, and you had to put your mileage. They already you Whenever you put a, fill out your registration, you have to put your mileage. Right. But that's, so. is that, that, that's every year. But I don't think they'd want to wait every year to send you a bill. And I wouldn't want a bill once a year for all my driving. And maybe they would require us to declare how many miles, you know, like you have to estimate your income tax, mm -hmm. we'd have to estimate how many miles we're going to drive. But let's but face it. But how do they do that for the the poor too. I mean, how do you? How do you? They have to be exempt. There has well, to be. Well, if you don't have a car, right? if you don't have a well, car, no, you're not but driving. But there are people that have cars that are very poor well, that need it to get to work, okay. as you said. But they, but their mileage would be. Uh, I think mileage is a fairer way to do it than the gas, don't you? Because let's face it, if you have an electric no, car, no. Because <laughs> if you're if you're driving, you're using gas. So I think that's a more accurate way to measure uh, to tax people that are driving. Um, I think miles miles are are slippery slope. That's weird to me. All right, but now stop and think of all the other things you use gasoline for: generators, lawnmowers, but not chainsaws. Degree, not to the degree that you're driving, though. I mean, your chainsaw. If you're using your chainsaw <laughs> <laughs> that much, you know, get, uh, lawnmowers half the year. You know, whatever. Well, my boat. Of the year. My boat doesn't use but highway you, money. But you're not using the boat every day. You know, like you are your car. So I, I think that the percentage of the gasoline you're using on those other items is so small that it would have to. I think gas is a fairer way but to tax drivers. But what they want to do too, what the Secretary of PennDOT wants to do. In addition, there are eight bridges on uh, roadways in Pennsylvania that she wants to toll in order to help fund their repair and replacement. Now, that seems like a reasonable thing to me, except that I don't like nickel and diming people to mm -hmm. death. You know, you go across this road, and we're going to charge you five bucks to go across this road. You go across this butt bridge, it's two bucks. You know, it's, it seems to me there should be some way to fund the road network, have, road network we have. Now, if we have too many roads, maybe we need to turn some of them back to municipalities. And if the municipality decides they don't want them, then, you know, they don't maintain them. But the state highways, we should have in good shape. I mean, all of us depend on that. All of us need it, and we should fund it to the point that it can be maintained adequately and um, at no risk to the traveling public. Years and year, years ago, there was a whole movement to tax uh, to toll 80. Where did you fall on that argument? Well, I was ambivalent about it. I can understand the many political people who argued against it. I can understand that. Just tolling Route 80 strikes me as not the right way to go. You know, that's putting the 
penalty on one roadway. But 476 uh, is, is told, um, 76 is told, so why not the another major thoroughfare through the state? Well, there was a word at one time... When people might pass through and never even stop here. There was a discussion at one point about tolling the new bridge that's going to be part of the Susquehanna Valley Thruway Project, although that didn't happen. Uh, I guess at some point somebody could say maybe it should, but let's face it, PennDOT is building a bridge that was, what, $120 million, I think was the cost of the bridge. I may be off on that now because the prices change. But, you know, certainly they now have an obligation to maintain it. That $120 million got it built, but that's not going to maintain it down the road. So if we don't want the bridge falling down and we don't want to have a problem with it in years to come, there's got to be something in effect that lets us maintain it. But PennDOT, the way PennDOT operates, each of the districts is given a certain budget and they have to maintain the roads and bridges in that, you know, with that money they're allocated. So what I hear you saying is that you are in favor of some of this Build Back Better plan. Not really, because I don't think it addresses the issue. The issue is doesn't, whether or not... Doesn't part of it address the issue, though? No, because it's a one-time expense, and they're throwing money at a problem today. What I'm looking at is long-term. In other words, we need a, we need a solution for PennDOT. We need a solution that allocates an, a certain amount of money they can count on every year for maintenance, and that that amount of money is adequate to the task. I mean, it doesn't make, any, it doesn't make sense to say, we'll give you $5 million if you've got $10 million in expenses. You know, you're guaranteeing that some, somebody's going to be shortchanged. Well, but maybe we can have faith that some local leaders that receive those monies can put them in escrow to earn interest and use over long term. I don't know what the requirements are to receive money. A lot of the times the, the government wants to give you money and wants to show how you expense it down in a cer per certain period of time. Um, so maybe, you know, that can be discussed. I don't know much that much about it and how those, those monies can be received. But I think that um, I, I, we all know that sometimes when you throw money at a project to bring it up to standards, then it's less expensive than to maintain over the long term. So some of this money, and also it's a jobs thing. You know, I'm, I, I, my sister lived in Japan for six years, and she told me that they were constantly fixing roads and bridges that did not need to be fixed, but it was a jobs program. So they put <laughs> people to work, um, and they built jobs, uh, they built bridges and, and islands and islands out of water to put new bridges and, and territories on. Um, it was a jobs thing. So a lot of this is a jobs thing more than, you know, well, I don't, I don't think busy work is the way to solve the problem. You know, if we actually need the stuff, that's one thing. But I think we need the stuff. I think well, you just we, said we need to maintain it and bring it up to stand. To right. We obviously standard. needed the Susquehanna Valley Thruway Project. I mean, let's just look. It's the last major link on the Route 15 from, uh, what, Florida? I forget where Route 15 starts mm -hmm. to all the way through New York. It's the only section in Pennsylvania that wasn't complete. Now it will be complete with a good bridge, and it will be safe. When's it supposed to be finished? Well, the bridge is done now, and... And they are going to open it sometime late next year. Uh, the other part uh, will be a little while longer. Uh, the bypass itself, which I think is scheduled now for 2025, 2027, somewhere in that neck of the woods. Tom, you're on the mark. Good morning to, to you both. Uh, regarding roll, you know, the roads and tolls, every year, I think for the past 10 years, They've either raised the, you know, the, the toll uh, charges, registration fees, gas taxes. Where is an accounting of all this and how it's being spent? I, it just, it, it goes way beyond the inflation rate and uh, what normally has happened to most places. I, I, I there's, there's got to be an audit of what where PennDOT and the Turnpike Commission is spending their money 
and uh, how much is being spent per you know mile of road. I'm sure that exists somewhere. Have you looked into it? No, I haven't, but no one else has either, apparently, because yeah. I've never seen it. It's not it's not in any publication. You know, Now, maybe I have to go dig, but uh, no one seems to care about it. Neither our representatives or con- none of them. But well, I think our representatives are working on it. In other words, part of the story that I read this morning on Penn Live uh, mentioned the fact that uh, the Secretary of Transportation was receiving a fair hearing from the state senators and representatives, and they all agree something needs to be done. The question is, what needs to be done, and how is it to be done? Well, but are they questioning what has happened in the past, like, 10 years with the, you know, we have one of the largest gas taxes in the, in, in the country. I think yes, California is only ahead of us. Well, uh, and part of, what they, part of what they did to fund the Susquehanna Valley Thruway Project and other state projects under Governor Corbett, they took the, uh, flow, the cap off the uh, oil franchise tax. It had been pegged at, when oil was selling or gas was selling at $1.25 a gallon. And they said that can't go any higher than that. But then they took the, the cap off of it, and that produced a great deal more money. But apparently now with electric vehicles and other things, you know, that we're not using as much gas, so the gas tax isn't generating as much revenue as they anticipated. I also think that every time you open the floodgates and, and create new sources of revenue, as you say, Tom, you know, more tolls are going up every year. I just feel like people always can find ways to spend. I mean, you know, at every income level, people have financial management problems, you know, because you always find things to spend money on. You know, there's always a... Well, a government is very good at all that. that. True, true. That's not the issue, the spending issue. It is, are we getting the bang for the buck? What is happening here with all that money? Why do we even have a turnpike commission or commission in PennDOT? Uh, it just, the bigger government, the more possibility of waste and corruption. Well, and, you know, I was just thinking about, as you were talking, Joe, you said earlier about the shortfall in PennDOT. Right. Also, people weren't driving for about a year. Remember, all the uh, people, because oh, of the pandemic, yeah, they couldn't go right. anywhere. You're so right. an anticipated consequence of that was there were less trauma in hospitals. I mean, the hospitals were filled with COVID. They were anticipating a huge influx of, of, of uh, uh, you know, overrun hospitals, but it didn't happen so much so because all of the stuff that happens in accidents and, and, and sports events and vehicle accidents didn't happen. So, you know, so I think maybe that was part of it. People weren't driving, so the tolls, you know, what they could collect in tolls, and yeah, who knows what. That's a, that's a good point. Tom, you know, I agree with you that we need to have an accounting of how much money is necessary and what PennDOT is spending the money on and where they're coming up with a shortfall. But I mean, I know I, I work closely with PennDOT in a number of di- different issues, and I know that our district is considered one of the be- is considered the best in the state as far as I'm concerned, uh, and they do an outstanding job. They're dedicated, hardworking people. They, they make the most of what money they're given. Um, they have maintained our roads, I think, better than, than probably the amount of money they're given given would indicate that they should be. But, you know, that's that's a problem across the state. You know, if they're underfunded, eventually something suffers. How much are we willing to pay? And I think you bring up a good point. Before we agree to pay more, we need to know what's being spent now and how it's being allocated and why why it isn't adequate to the task. Well, that's we just ask our legislators. I would just expect that they would know the answer to that. Well, I know Representative Culver is on the uh, uh, Transportation Committee, and I know how seriously Linda takes transportation issues, and I know that she believes some, that we need to adequately fund PennDOT. So. But it I, would I, be interesting to see you know, a, a total audit of 
PennDOT and the Turnpike Commission uh, done over the last five, ten years to see where they've allocated their money, how much is administrative, how much is obviously for you know covering labor costs, how much has been put out on bid, and uh, how much has been done, you know, uh, with that money. I just I just have never seen that. Well, maybe we will. <laughs> I think if the state house and the senate are going to be asked to appropriate even more money and come up with some alternate solution for funding PennDOT, that probably they're going to have to take a very close look at what has been done and why it hasn't been as effective as they thought it might be. Because they obviously have tried to solve this problem in the past, and now those solutions aren't working. And I also think what's important too is to look at a history of spending and a history of revenue. You know, look at the last five years um, because I've looked. At, I've actually been. On transportation committees at the state level, that weird coincidence with Joe, and um, and know that it's the devil's in the details. So we'll get some high-level thing. Well, you'll see maybe a, a you know a dramatic increase in spending in one department, but when you go down in the details of it, it might be something you may or may not agree with. But really, it's so hard to look at you know the information that we have access to without digging way in is just is a part of the picture and I think you know we and we make judgments based on what little we know or have access to so I'm actually going to ask Linda Culver um, <laughs> if she has any information about how, uh, you know a history of spending and revenue in PennDOT well you bring up I'd a good love point, to see Tom. a private commission I'd love to see a private commission uh, you know do an audit and come back uh, and, and, and see where that money's gone. How much is dumped into the Philadelphia area as opposed to, you know, or Harrisburg as opposed to our rural areas, and uh, how much is placed in the, you know, uh, for each mile, the bang for the buck. Well, in my opinion, SEPTA is a bottomless pit that should yes. be funded by the people who ride it, not by everybody in the state. But so. some of the people that ride they it can't afford to fund it. They don't even collect their fees. No, you know, I mean, and the same has gone with the toll. What did they just find? That they, you know, that about twenty-five percent of the fees haven't been collected. Yeah, that's that's certainly gross mismanagement, in my opinion. You collect the fees that you're due, and uh, they went with this. Uh, you know, they used to have the toll booth, and that worked, I think, very effectively because people didn't get on the highway unless they paid their toll or didn't get off. Now they have this easy pass and uh, the license plate readers, and they're losing about what, as you said, a quarter of the tolls. That doesn't make sense to me. Somebody ought to be held accountable for that. Fair it's enough. Just, <laughs> I, I just it, want to shout to out done. to my friend Amy, who's sending, him sending me information on the tree equity score. <laughs> okay. All right, Tom. Thanks Thank a lot. You, Appreciate your call. 1-800-795-9565. We'll take a break, and we'll be right back. Welcome back to On the Mark. I'm Joe McGranahan along with Carrie Albright. 1-800-795-9565. That's our toll-free hotline number. Email us at onthemark at wkok.com. Doug says, no, actually, I rarely wear a mask in social distance because masks do very little, if any, to stop a virus, and most people in my social circles aren't that worried about getting the virus. Since the beginning of this overblown pandemic, my family hasn't stopped living our normal lives because we refuse to live in fear just because the media says we should be afraid. I'm continually amazed that the longer this goes on, the more people aren't seeing that it's more about controlling us than it is our health. So... What do you think? Well, I think that Doug is partly right, um, that, but partly wrong. D masks do prohibit 
um, germs. I mean, it, it stops us from touching our own face, uh, mouth, and nose if we have a mask on. And there were uh, there were people, you know, th- for the last year and a half, up until recently, till the mask mandates changed a little bit right. in, in the communities, like eight, not eight, nine months ago, where people weren't even getting sick. You said yourself, you haven't been sick in years because you're being extra cautious. Knocking on wood. Yeah, again. knock on wood. <laughs> but masks do help uh, inhibit. Our, uh, help our own health because if we're wearing masks we're not touching our face and nose we're not breathing out we're not taking in so it does help keep us healthier yeah but it's also uncomfortable and inconvenient oh, it's terrible you know it's terrible and bad for the skin I mean I have I have rashes you know like everybody does because those of us who have to wear masks a lot for work or daily but you know we talk we talk about the kids. I realize we're we're, we're dancing around like vaccine. June bugs, right? But people are dragging us back to where we started, mm-hmm. so we'll go back to where we started. But you know, I worry about what it's doing to kids um, in school. They're so resilient. Well, that we say that, yeah. but you know, uh, I look at my three-year-old grandson, and I love him dearly, but he's spending his time between two houses and five adults. Uh, well, I won't call my 13-year-old. So he's going to need adult. therapy. That like put a well, little I, I trust think, fund together for him. For I therapy. think that he he is. <laughs> I I think that he's lacking socialization skills that that would benefit him. And yet you have to weigh that against the risk of him getting the disease. And and but I don't think he understands that. You know, we can't say to him, you can't go to the playground with other kids because we're protecting you. Mm-hmm. You know, we can't say that to him. He wouldn't understand it. But yet that's the that's the implication that you have to. That's what you have to do. But Joe, doesn't every every generation has dealt with something, whether it was the Vietnam, all the people that died in Vietnam, or the greatest generation of World War II, we all have our cross to bear in terms of how something <laughs> in the world affects us. And so I think this is probably this generation. This pandemic is probably this generation. It may well be, but it Hopefully. doesn't mean we can't do something about it. It's hard to do something about a war. It's a little easier to do something about a requirement or a mandate. Uh, Roy, you're going to take us back to tolls and highways. Good morning. You're on the Mark. I'm going to try, Joe. Okay. Please. You know, when I when I drive into Ohio, I pay a toll. When I drive into New Jersey, I pay a toll. Why can't we have on either end of the state toll booths for people coming in from other states? I don't agree with the eight bridges that they want to put tolls on for the locals people. What good will that do? And and why not toll Route 80 coming in and into the state of Pennsylvania? Well, that's a good Commonwealth. I agree. That's a good point because when you tax bridges specifically, you're taxing the people that drive over them every day instead of collecting a, a larger point right. and and funneling the money that way. Yeah. Well, if you leave the state, wouldn't that be a better way? To I don't charge care. instead of, instead of people coming <laughs> in, charge you to leave. Coming into the state, you know that is where you know our usage that's a use tax well we're other losing people from other states using our roads so why not why not well we're losing we're losing there? we're losing one congressperson because we're losing population if we charge people to leave pennsylvania maybe they'd stay <laughs> oh, you mean leave permanently, not just drive that, out of though. the state temporarily? No, they, I'm saying if they yeah. don't want to pay, if they keep them in the state, yeah. we, they won't drive out if they have to pay a fee to get out of the state. I mean, you're right. You know, when I drive north to New York, though, we don't pay a toll uh, to go into New York that way, right? I don't, where, where do you uh, say I, you pay toys? I know it's He's New right. Jersey. Go to Ohio and go into New Jersey. He's right. You pay tolls. And yeah. Indiana, if you keep going west. Well, so what do we do, also, though? I, mean, I don't agree with there's 12 or 15 people that sit on the uh, 
the uh, commission for the turnpike that are getting exorbitant pay. And that's wrong. That's wrong. I, I, I really disagree with that, and I can't believe that they don't collect 20% of the tolls on the turnpike. You know, that's malfeasance. That, there, there needs to be an investigation on that, and, and that needs to be taken care of. I, I, what I'd like to see is, you know, back in the days when they had the toll booths and they had the collectors in the toll booths, then, of course, they said, oh, we're going to go automated. That's going to save us money. I'd like to know how much the cost of maintaining the people in the toll booths versus the, the amount of money they lost and the technology they had to buy to do it without people, whether or not that was actually worth it. I, exactly I question right, whether it would be. Yeah. I mean, I'd I rather have the pe- I'd rather pay the people. Well, frankly, it keeps traffic moving, so I appreciate that. <laughs> well, it does. But yeah, and the polls have tripled in the last 10 years, too, going from here that to That technology is expensive. You know? yeah. And everywhere, the entire turnpike. But if I they, mean, all they do is raise the tolls and raise the tolls. But if they don't collect the tolls, then they have to keep raising the fees to make up the difference. So that's it's like a dog chasing his tail. But maybe you just plan for the shrink. You just plan for the loss. But why? Another example of government getting in the way of good business. <laughs> <You're> <laughs> Thank you very right. much. That's all I have. Thanks, Roy. Appreciate your call. Take care. 1-800-795-9565. Email us at onthemarkatwkok.com. We'll take our final break of the day, and we'll be back with more of On the Mark. There's something to be said about a sale with a handshake, a service technician who really knows what he's doing. They can explain it in English what the problem is. There's nothing better than having that friend you could trust in the area. That's Sunbury Motors, where you get selection, knowledgeable salespeople, and prices that fit your budget, and more important, that friend you can trust. Welcome to Sunbury Motors, Kia, Ford, and Hyundai. You could shop other dealers and compare prices, but at Sunbury Motors, you get their lowest price promise. They research the current used vehicle market and guarantee their used car prices are the lowest. If you find a lower price, Sunbury Motors will beat it. Three dealers all in one. See their full new and pre-owned inventory at sunburymotors.com. Pick out a vehicle you like and schedule your test drive online. Follow them on Facebook. Sunbury Motors Ford and Hyundai, North 4th Street, Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Uh, welcome back to On the Mark. I'm Joe McGranahan with Carrie Albright, and Al's on the line. Good morning, Al. You're on the mark. Good morning. Uh, back in October, there was a Dr. Reich, Harvey Reich from Yale University, and this is why people are confused, especially me. Uh, when everybody was making fun of the, like the uh, erythromycin and different cures like that, even on this show, uh, he said if we would have been using that. Um, kind of thinking prevention in the old, just the old-fashioned way. Seventy to eighty-five percent of the people who died would not have to have died. So, what do you think of that? Seventy-five to eighty percent of the people that died would not have had to die. And his reasoning was what again? We weren't using therapies that we didn't use the pre-cure. Okay. And we didn't do the old-fashioned way. We didn't quarantine, right? Um, he didn't say that. I'm just saying he he basically the the things he, we were making fun of back in October 
he was on Levin saying about it. Well, and I'm, glad I I'm glad I followed Dr. Oz because there's a lot of people who think like that, and we shouldn't be put down for it. Well, I do. I mean, I've had both vaccinations, and I'm really skeptical on the uh, booster because right now I exercise. I, I, since this started, I started different things that vitamin D, zinc, C, all the things that they have said, and I very rarely get sick, and I have no problems. And we've been with our family the whole time. I mean, I had 50 at my house. We are on top each other at Christmas. And, and if somebody does have it, they stay away. And that's all we've done. We but, haven't stopped living. But sometimes people don't know that they have it, Al. I mean, some people can be asymptomatic. Well, it's going to spread through herd immunity. My mom's 90, and she was there. And we just live our lives. We're not... Uh, being held hostage because we're using losing our liberty. But wait a minute, you just said that you've changed your own behaviors as a result of all of this, and so you're improving your improving your likelihood of surviving or not getting exactly. it. So, so exactly. you have changed. You're not just living your life as it was. I'm not going to listen to the government to have them tell me what to do. The government tells you what body. to do every day. <laughs> the government tells you what to do every day. You drive on the right side of the road. You pay yeah, your taxes. Don't tell me that because that's a privilege. But my body is not their privilege. But 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 it is. <laughs> I, I pay to drive on the road because it is a privilege to drive. But it is my right to do what I want with my body, and this government's never going to tell me what to do with my body. But now, now, Al, you have made you have been on this program many times complaining about abortion and that the woman doesn't have the right to make a body decision in that regard. Now you're you're demanding the same thing you want to deny her. her no, she can do what she wants with her body, but she can't touch that baby inside her because that's somebody else. Okay, but it, it's in her body. Well, it's black or white. That, the baby is not her. That baby has nothing to do with her no, body. No, but what I'm saying is, uh, I'm saying you're demanding, you're demanding the right to make a decision about your body that you want to deny somebody else about theirs. That no, she can do what she wants to her body. She don't have to take the vaccination either if she don't want to. She don't have, which I did. She can take it or not take it is what I'm saying. But that baby inside her is not hers. Okay, the well. Minute, second of conception that is god's little child and we're all god's children and leave it alone okay well, i'm sorry Al, we got we have another call we have to take but it does seem to me like you're you're kind of contradicting yourself you there. are mike you're on the mark from bloomsburg yeah hey uh, good morning I'm, I'm in the middle of a walk in a little bit uh, my phone's going to butt out for a second so we won't misunderstand your your panting then thank you <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm trying to get five. You sound miles. excited. Let anyway, me tell you. I want to. I want to talk about the uh, criticism that I often get from my friends on the left, and that being that since I supported Donald Trump, I do not believe in science. And one of the things I do is I actually believe in science. And one of the one of the uh, tenets of my belief in science is to question everything that I see and hear. And back in the beginning of this pandemic, or near the beginning, stories came out about ivermectin and how it's being used to treat people with symptoms. And here in the United States, that idea was mocked. I have friends that actually attended Ivy League school, and uh, you know, they, they, their response was, I'm not sticking any horse medicine up my butt. And uh, even Mark, uh, 
talked about ivermectin about how when uh, horses get it they have to put a glove on that goes up to their shoulder so right away the media was mocking ivermectin and that narrative got out and in fact there was a case in texas where that was called an ivermectin overdose which now turns out to, to be true so what, the thing i want to tell my friends on the left is everything that you hear whether it's your favorite uh, media outlet or not you have to question it and you have to uh investigate and make decisions like that previous man that said he he made decisions how he was going to handle this virus he had that opportunity uh my family for the most part all stayed at their uh positions uh during work they didn't really have any choice they, they could have quit of course but you know that really wasn't an option they had to go to work so their their positions are different than mine uh in response to this and uh, probably different than many people but i just want to say this ivermectin business is being exposed what the media did to people and if donald trump would have been the guy that says ivermectin is bad don't use it right now we would be hearing about how many people he killed because of those comments well that's an interesting take on that but you know i i, I still I do agree with you on one thing. I don't think they're talking enough about therapeutics, and I think that there's a reason for that. The reason is we want to get everybody vaccinated. So if we talk about the fact that there are now therapeutics that are likely to make this uh, go away in a very short period of time, then people might say, oh, gee, well, why should I get vaccinated? If I get the disease, they've got something to give me that will make it a lot better. So, I mean, I think there's some wisdom there. I'm sorry, we're out of time. I call back tomorrow and we'll continue this. Carrie Albright, thank you so much for being with us today. Appreciate you taking the time to come in. Thank you, Joe. And we'll look forward to having you back again when the schedule works out that way. Uh, Tomorrow, Peg Chamberlain will be here with me, former uh, Snyder County Commissioner, former aide to Senator Frank Curry, and we'll get into some trouble tomorrow again on On the Mark in WKOK, Sunbury, Pennsylvania.